If you have your Bible tonight, go ahead and open it up to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to be moving around tonight as we are continuing our series here on Sunday nights over the last several Sunday nights together where we have been addressing the subject of persecution, but persecution and how God uses it to grow the church. And we have seen as we have studied together that he has grown the church and he grew the church, the early church, by having more people being saved and by more people who were saved being strengthened and sanctified in their faith through the persecution that came their way all under the providence of God. But as we think about that, I always want you to keep in mind that it is all under the providence of God, yet they, as well as we, have a role to play. We have a responsibility. That is, for people to be saved and for our faith to be strengthened, to be sanctified, we have the responsibility in how we respond to the persecution that will come our way. And that's what we want to talk about tonight together. How, how am I, or how are we as a church supposed to respond when we face persecution for our faith in Christ. And again, we'll see as we go through God's word here tonight, that as we have with the other aspects of persecution, that God's word has given us some principles here in scripture and even some examples for us to follow in how it is we should respond. And the first one I want us to see tonight is here in 1 Peter chapter 3, in verses 13 through 15, and what I want us to see from there is that one of the responses we should have to the reality that we will face persecution should be to get prepared. It should be preparation. Peter says, who is there to harm you, in verse 13, if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation, and do not be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Notice what Peter is saying here. He's saying to this group of believers that were under persecution, remember, this is a group of believers who have been scattered for their faith in Christ. And he's saying to them that if you're suffering for the sake of righteousness, first off, remember that you are actually blessed. But secondly, notice what he says. Don't respond with fear. Don't be intimidated by this. And notice also he says, don't respond with being troubled. But instead, as he goes on to say there in verse 15, be prepared, be ready, be ready to give a defense, to be able to speak about the hope of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the way you will be prepared for persecution is by what he says there in verse 15, by sanctifying Christ as Lord in your hearts. That is, by setting your heart upon Christ, being a set apart upon Christ and to Christ, for you to be prepared to give this defense and to withstand the persecution that may come, Jesus Christ 
not only must be your Lord, but he must be the priority of your heart, the priority of your life. If Christ is not the priority, if there are other things that have a higher priority in our lives, beloved, persecution will expose that. If comfort is a higher priority in our life, persecution will expose that. If family is a higher priority in our life, persecution can expose that. If our own life and our own possessions and our own property is a priority in our life instead of Christ, persecution will reveal that. If you stop and you think about it, we have seen in Scripture on numerous occasions and the different examples we have read through over the past several weeks together, we have seen that there were believers because of their faith in Christ that lost their property. They lost their possessions. They lost their life. They lost their family. Because Jesus was the priority of their life. So my question to you tonight as you think about that is, have you sanctified Christ as Lord in your hearts? Is he the priority of your life? Is he the priority of your passions and your desires? Are you ready? Is Jesus, is his kingdom, is his mission, is that your priority in life? Are you ready to give a defense as Paul was, as we've read through the book of Acts? Are you ready to give a defense as Stephen was in the book of Acts? And you stop and you think about those two men. Paul gave a defense and was put in prison and ultimately he was delivered. Stephen was prepared, had Christ sanctified as Lord over his heart and he stood up and gave a defense for the hope that was in him and what did it lead to for him? It led to his death where he was stoned to death. I think back to Peter. Not just Peter, but you can name off all the disciples at that at this moment, the time of the arrest of Jesus. When Jesus was arrested, the disciples scattered. It's because they weren't prepared at that moment. Though Jesus had warned them and Jesus had even told them that when the shepherd will be struck down, when they will come for me, you will all scatter and deny me. And Peter was not ready because if you remember, Peter who went and followed Jesus more closely than any of the other disciples, but remember on that night when Christ was arrested and he was asked, will you identify with Jesus? And he denied Jesus three times. Because on those occasions, beloved, Peter was prioritizing something else above Christ. Whether it was his life or his reputation or whatever it was, he prioritized something else at those moments more than Christ. And yet we see Peter on the day of Pentecost. We see Peter whenever he and John are arrested and they stay and he stands and he continues to proclaim Christ even when he is threatened, even when he is beaten, even when he is in prison. Peter still proclaims Christ. Why? Because at those moments he had sanctified Christ as Lord over his heart and over his life. But this is where it must start for us. It must start with this preparation of having Christ being sanctified, set apart as the Lord, the priority over our hearts and over our life. But there's a second response. 
And the second response is what I call patience. We have to respond with a a patient endurance. You might want to say it's going to be perseverance. Look over at 1 Peter chapter 2 for a moment. Over in 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 18, he's talking about being submissive. And he even goes on to say, be submissive to those who are your masters that are unreasonable. In verse 19, for this finds favor, for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and you suffer for it, you patiently endure it, endure it, this finds favor with God. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth, and while being reviled, he did not revile in return. And while suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Peter here teaching that it is pleasing in the sight of God when we respond to unjust suffering for the cause of Christ with patience. And this patience, as we see here from the example of Jesus, shows itself in our life when we do not retaliate, when we do not exchange insult for insult. This is when we are following the example of Christ. You go back and you look at the life of Christ and you look even at there at the end how much the people, the, the false witnesses they brought in against Jesus and they lied about Jesus and they mocked Jesus and yet when you look at his whole trial, the, 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 the different settings that he was in, whether it was with the Jewish leaders or the, or the Roman leaders at that time and the things they were saying about him, never at any point did he return insult for insult. Never did he threaten them. But he patiently endured it, knowing, as it says here in Peter, he was entrusting himself to his heavenly Father, knowing that ultimately God will bring about all justice. God will make all things right. And let's just be honest this evening as we think about that. This is hard. It's hard. Someone hits us, we want to hit back. Someone insults us for our faith, we want to Sometimes insult them back. We want to come back at them. Our flesh wants to retaliate. We want to exchange insult for insult. Reviling back in return. We want to take things at times in our own hands. Or maybe probably the most frequent thing we want to do instead of patiently endure is to complain and groan about it. Instead, we're to patiently endure it and actually offer a blessing. Think about this. Go over to go to 1 Peter chapter 3 and notice what he says there. Verse 8. To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but What am I supposed to do? If I can't return an insult for an insult, and if I can't return evil for evil, what am I allowed to do? 
Or read the rest of the verse. Give a blessing instead. Give a blessing instead. For you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. And this is in the context of what we were just reading a moment ago. Or notice, if you will, for a moment, look with me over in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul here is speaking and he's saying we are in verse 10, we are fools for Christ's sake. And, and we are weak. We're without honor. But then in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 4, he says to this present hour, we are both hungry and thirsty and are poorly clothed and are roughly treated and are homeless and we toll working with our own hands. And notice what he says in verse 12, when we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we try to conciliate. We have become as the scum of the world, the dregs of all things, even until now. And I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I exhort you, be imitators of me. And notice he's saying, imitate me. Imitate me as you are reviled and don't revile in return. If you're insulted, don't return with insult, but bless. If you're being persecuted, endure it. If you're being slandered, try to bring it together. Even if it means you have to become the very scum of the world, the dregs of all things. But this is what God's word calls on us to do. It calls on us to be patient. Patiently endure, persevere when we are being persecuted. And as you think about that, how we can persevere is by first off remembering that vengeance is God, it's not ours individually or even corporately as a church. Vengeance is God, says God's word. Secondly, Remember, God is sovereign over your life, which means there is no insult, there is no mistreatment, there is no reviling that comes your way that is not under the sovereign governing hand of God. Just to remind you of this, go over to the book of Acts, to Acts chapter 4. Go to Acts chapter 4. And notice the response. When Peter and John had been arrested for preaching the gospel and they had been threatened and then they were finally released. Pick it up in verse 23. It says, When they had been released, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they lifted their voice to God and with one accord and said, O Lord, 
It is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who, who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand and their rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly in this city there was gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. And now, Lord, take note of their threats. You notice they're saying, look, we know that what has happened to Jesus and what has happened to us, this is all under your hand. We, we can trust you. We can patiently endure it because we know it's all under your hand. That's how Jesus endured it in his humanity that we were talking about. He knew that it was all under the sovereign hand of God. So we patiently endure, trusting in the Lord. Finally, beloved, you can patiently endure when persecution comes because you know that ultimately God will make all things right. He will make it right. Those that will persecute believers, those that will revile believers, those that will come against believers, if they never repent of their sin and put their faith in Christ, beloved one, beloved, one day they will meet their maker and they will have to answer for their life and for their actions and for the things they have done. And God will carry out justice. He will. So we need to have preparation we need to respond with patience. But thirdly, we need to respond to persecution with prayer. And by prayer, two forms of prayer. Praise and petition. Praise and petition. What are we told over in the book of James? In James chapter 1, we're told to count it all joy when you encounter various trials. And some of those trials will be trials for your faith. Though you may be as some of the Christians were that day that were scattered, having to run because of their life was in danger for their faith in Christ. Count it all joy. Bring praise to God. Or even as it says, if you're still there in the book of Acts, turn over to chapter 5 for a moment. A second time when Peter and John had been arrested and they were released. And they, uh, but also they had been flogged, we see there in verse 40. And they had been ordered not to speak in the name of Jesus and then they released him. So they went on their way from the presence of the council rejoicing. Rejoicing, why? Because they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. They saw it as Peter described it there in 1 Peter 3. We read a moment ago where he said, don't be intimidated by this when fear, don't have, be troubled by this, but see it that as you are blessed. I'm blessed if I'm being persecuted for my faith. I can rejoice that I have been considered worthy to suffer for the cause of Christ. So a part of our prayer should be praise and blessing because of what God is doing in our life. And even as you look over there and you think about 
what it says there. Why, why is it we would praise the Lord when we encounter various trials? And one of those trials may be persecution and difficulties that come our way because of our faith in Christ. Well, beloved, as James says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you can encounter various trials, knowing that this is testing your faith. And that faith that's being tested is going to produce endurance. And this endurance will have its perfect result so that you be made perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That is, it's maturing you. It's, it's refining your faith. And knowing that, beloved, that helps me to accept when persecution and when insults come my way for the cause of Christ. I can accept that without responding with insult back and I can praise God and pray to God and praise Him and rejoice and say, I thank you, Lord, for what is coming my way because I know it is going to shape me and it's going to make me more like Christ. I know I'm just following in the footsteps of my Savior. I think about what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount over in the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 5, listen carefully to what the Lord taught. In Matthew chapter 5, he says in verse 10, Blessed, just think about it. Do you think of this as being, a blessed, being blessed? Blessed are those who have been persecuted. Persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You see, beloved, as we suffer persecution and insult and evil that comes our way for our faith in Christ, we're just walking in the steps of Jesus. We're just walking in the steps of the prophets. We're just walking in the steps of the believers that have gone before us. And he says, see yourself as blessed and rejoice, be glad. Why? Not because of what you may be rewarded in this life, but because of the reward that Jesus is going to give you in heaven. See, it'll test what you're living for. Just as I said a moment ago, it'll test if, when you think about your preparation of having Jesus as the priority of your life. It will test that, but also it will test what it is that you live for, what you're looking for, what you're longing for. Are you longing for the blessings that will come your way in heaven, or do you want just the blessings of this life? Jesus is saying, rejoice and be glad, because you can be assured if you are suffering persecution for the sake of righteousness, yours is the kingdom of heaven. And you can rejoice in that. But not just praise in our prayer, but petitions. Petitions. It's interesting when you look at some of the examples we see in Scripture. That as persecution came to the believers. That they would petition God for themselves and for other believers. And the most interesting thing is they would also petition God for their persecutors. Let's look at the petitions that we should offer up to the Lord in response when we face persecution for ourselves or for other believers. One, we should pray for boldness. Pray for perseverance. 
If you notice, if you go back with me for a moment again to that passage we were looking at just a few minutes ago over in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 4, when Peter and John were released and they go back and, and they're there with their companions, notice what they asked the Lord for. After they get through praising Him, knowing that everything that has happened to Jesus and to them is under the, the providence and the sovereign hand of God, then they turn to petition the Lord in verse 29, and now, Lord, take note of their threats. And grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place in the name of your, of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. They are praying for boldness, Lord. Oh, Lord, take note of their threats. And remember, what was the threat? The threat to them was, do not go around talking about Jesus anymore here in Jerusalem. Don't go into the temple talking about Jesus. Stay away. Stop talking about Jesus. And they just said, oh, Lord, take note of their threat. And then grant that we'll speak the word of God with all confidence with all boldness. But not just prayer for boldness, there was also prayer at times for deliverance. You remember when Peter was put in jail by Herod? And when Peter was released by the angel? And Peter goes to the house, and remember what had the people been doing? They had been praying for Peter. Praying for deliverance, and God answered that prayer. Praying for deliverance is what we see the Apostle Paul asking for. Listen to this over in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. He says in verse 1, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified just as it did also with you, and that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men, for not all have faith. Here is Paul asking the church at Thessalonica saying, please pray for us. As we are going about spreading the word of the Lord and the gospel, we are praying that God will rescue us from perverse and evil men. So it's not wrong for us to petition the Lord on our own behalf and on behalf of other believers. It's not wrong for us to ask other believers to pray for us that God would deliver us. This is what Paul did. But also, beloved, as I say, not just petition for ourselves and for other Christians, but one of the responses we should have in, to persecution is praying for our persecutors. Praying for our persecutors. Look with me for a moment. Go over to the Gospel of Luke. Go to Luke chapter 6 for just a moment. Luke chapter 6. Jesus here is teaching. This is another occasion where he's teaching something very similar that we see in the Gospel of Matthew of the, the Sermon on the Mount. He's speaking about being a blessed person. And notice again what he says in verse 22. Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Be glad in that day. Leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. 
For in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets. And notice what he also says down in verse 27 and 28. But I say to you, who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Pray for them. Pray what? Pray for their salvation. Pray that God would work in their heart like He did through the chief persecutor of the early church, the Apostle Paul. Right? Here is a man by the name of Saul who was persecuting the church more than anybody else. And he even testifies to that in his own testimony as he's witnessing when he's standing before some of the governors like, like Felix and, and Festus and he, he's sharing his, his testimony and he says, look, I was the persecutor of the church. I went beyond what anybody else went beyond. I thought what I was doing was right and I was persecuting the church. I was persecuting believers. I was mistreating them. I was torturing them. I was voting for them to be stoned to death. And yet God saved me. God showed me grace. God showed me mercy. And God saved me. Jesus appeared to me on that road to Damascus. And when he did, I may have been physically blind, but spiritually my eyes were open and I realized he was the Messiah. He was the Christ. He was the Savior. He was the Lord. And I needed to put my faith in him. You see, beloved, so even in the midst of persecution, pray for your persecutors that God would bless them with genuine, true salvation. I think about what did Jesus pray when he was there on the cross and they're mocking him, spitting at him, they're casting lots below him, he says, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. What does Stephen pray? As he's been stoned to death just for speaking the truth. Just for telling them the truth. They pick up stones to stone him to death and he says, Father, forgive them. He's praying on behalf of his persecutors. This is even in some sense when we talked about blessing them in those passages that we read earlier. We bless them by praying for them. Praying that God, it would be his will, would work so work in their heart that they would truly be born again, be broken over their sin and their rebellion and come to know Christ as Savior and as Lord. So, beloved, one of the responses we need to have to persecution is prayer. True prayer. Let's look at a fourth response. And this is be probably the most obvious. And that is we need to respond with proclamation. Continuing to proclaim the gospel. If there's anything you see throughout the book of Acts... That even there in Acts chapter 8, when they scattered because of persecution, what does the Bible tell us? They scattered and as they went about where they were scattered to, they went about preaching Jesus. When Paul got get run out of town, when he got ran out of Jerusalem, and he went to the next place, he preached Jesus. When he got ran out of Pisidian Antioch, he preached Jesus. When he got ran out of Iconium, 
And he went to the next place of Lystra. He kept preaching Jesus. He just kept on keeping on preaching the gospel. After Peter had been mistreated and, and arrested by Herod and then released when he went out, he just kept preaching Jesus. When you go back to Peter and John that were arrested and threatened and told, don't continue to talk about Jesus, what do they do? They walk right back out and they keep preaching Jesus. They just keep doing it. Because they're prepared. It really goes back to that. It, we, they had sanctified Christ as Lord in their hearts. And this is what we're called to do as well. We're called to continue on and keep preaching Jesus. You see, this is what they want. They want us to remain silent. It's okay for you to have your faith. And it's okay if you want to come here to a church right now in America and you want to worship God, that's fine. But when you go outside these doors, they want you to be quiet. They want you to remain silent. You see, right now we're not facing some of the type of persecution that one of the professors or my, my son Caleb, my oldest son, where he's going to, to college. It's a Christian college there. And one of the professors that they have there, he is from China. And when he was a little boy in China, they had the, a, a burning day. And the burning day was to go burn all the Bibles. And they were going through in China and closing all the churches. And the Lord graciously and providentially worked it. His dad, this professor at that time, he was a little boy at the time, had an older brother, his mom and his dad, and, and he was, his dad had a Bible. And the, the military had surrounded their house, but the Lord had laid it upon the heart of a, of a man that was a Christian there, and, and he was riding a bicycle, and he came up to their house, and they thought that he was selling something, so they let him go in, and, and he just said, I'm here, I don't know why I'm here, but, but what is it I can do for you? And the guy says, his dad said, take this Bible with you to preserve it. And he was allowed to leave and go on his way and preserve the Bible. And then the, eventually the, the military come in and they're looking for the Bible and they can't find the Bible. And, and so they eventually they bring, he said, for three days, their whole family was brought outside and re, required to remain awake for three straight days while they were being beaten and they were being neglected with food or water, with any of that. And not only were they beating the father and the mother, but so that the, the parents would deny Jesus, they would have their children come out and they would beat them in front of their parents. And this is when communism was really taking over in China. And, and he said his older brother, that they brought him up before them all. And they said, you have to make a choice. It's either going to be communism or Christianity. Which do you choose? And he says, I choose Christ and Christianity. And he said, and they beat him, and they beat him, and they beat him. And then they finally left. And they eventually got him to the hospital. And it was there in the hospital that his brother died from that beating. Now, we're not there here in America 
But that is an example of a young man, a young boy who knew Christ, who said, Christ is my life. He's my priority. And I'm willing to lose my life for that. They were willing to lose their home for that. They were willing to lose everything for that. And they were willing to patiently endure it. And they continued to proclaim Christ. And they continued to pray. Because they trusted in the Lord. Beloved, I pray that we are prepared as well. And there's one other way we could think about responding. And we may touch on this the next time we're together. It may go with another aspect of how God grows the church. But let me just mention, I think one of the responses we do need to have is prudence. And here's what I mean by that. If you go back and just read through the book of Acts, if you were to take this week and just read through the book of Acts, you're going to see that sometimes when persecution came, they left. Okay? Sometimes they left. Sometimes they stayed. Sometimes they would withdraw and come together to learn and to grow together more so that then they could go back out. Sometimes, on one of the occasions, you know, the Apostle Paul appealed to Caesar. He, he used the laws of the day in his Roman citizenship. He used it. Here's a man that was being persecuted. If you remember, they, they had arrested Paul and they had put him in jail and had, had beaten him and done some things to him. And then they came and said, we're going to release you. And he said, no, well, wait a minute. I'm a Roman citizen. And you did this to me. And that's when the jailer came and said, well, please, please, Paul, please leave. Just get out. And when Paul was before some of the governors, he appealed to Caesar. So there was some prudence in how they used things and what they did. But it's it's interesting that sometimes Paul would leave, but then on one occasion, if you remember, Paul was about to go to Jerusalem and there was a prophet there and that prophet stood up And he said, whoever owns this belt, the Jews are going to bind this man. The Holy Spirit testifies to me. I'm prophesying to you that whoever owns this belt, when he goes to Jerusalem, he is going to be bound. He's going to be persecuted. And the Christians that were there were begging Paul, Paul, don't go. Don't go to Jerusalem. Go somewhere else. Stay here. Don't go there. And Paul said, if that's the Lord's will, so be it. I'm going. I have to go there. And Paul was right. Because it was later on that the Lord would testify to him that I'm going to send you to Rome. And this is how Paul got to Rome. He went to Jerusalem and that's where the the journey started for Paul to Rome. It just started in prisons. And he just traveled there as a prisoner. And he got there to Rome and he was a prisoner. And we're studying in the book the Philippians, when Paul is still a prisoner. So there was some prudence in how they handled that. That sometimes, beloved, you have to leave. Sometimes you have to take a stand. And, and by leaving, what I mean by that is, is again, uh, when the church at, at Jerusalem, there in Acts chapter 8, when it got so hot and so hostile, remember, they scattered 
They didn't just walk out in the streets and just say, just kill us. They scattered. But remember when they scattered, they kept preaching and praying. They kept sharing the gospel. They weren't denying Christ by scattering. So beloved, as we think about our response, I I pray. I pray that you are prepared. I pray that you have patience. I pray that you will pray and proclaim the gospel and use prudence as you respond to the persecution that is coming. You may have seen already this week, I don't know all the details about it, but you know there was a a young man that was in a college class, I think it was, and they were talking about, uh, the professor was teaching that there's more than two genders, and he disagreed with the professor, and the next thing you know, uh, he was being reprimanded by the school, and so you're violating the policy of our school and being suspended or expelled just for standing for the truth of what God's word says. So the persecution's coming, and that's when I say that the way it's going to come to us right now mainly is they're going to just say, you can have your faith. See, in China, they were saying, you can't have your faith. That, that story I was telling you, they were saying to that family and to all Christians, you cannot have faith in Jesus. You can only have faith in communism. You go to a, an Islamic state, and they're going to say, you cannot have faith in Jesus. Not here and not live here. But in America, they're going to say, you can have faith in Jesus, don't, just don't tell anybody about it. Just don't go out and share the gospel. Just keep it quiet. And if what you believe as a Christian begins to have an effect in the public arena or out in the world, then we're going to do things to come against you for that. But you can have your faith, but just keep it there in your house. Keep it in your church. And don't let it go any further. Well, I want to ask you to to bow your head in prayer.